I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the second season of Lamplighters Podcasts. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. No matter who you are or where you are, no matter the time or experience you've had following Jesus, or if you haven't had any experience at all, we are grateful to be on this journey with you and look forward to becoming more of who God created us to be. What's up today, Jan? Uh, It's a great week. Um, Last week, we had a final glimpse of Peter after his escape from Herod's clutches. Mm -hmm. And when he left Jerusalem, the leadership of the church passed to Jesus' brother, James. Uh So this week, we are wrapping up our study of how the Holy Spirit worked in the early church, right? And we're going to turn our attention to Paul. So we have our friend, Laura Tuma, with us today, who is going to lead us through that. And I'm very excited because she always has very thought-provoking things to say. So, Laura, you can take it away. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for having me today. Uh It is always such a a gift and a pleasure to study the Scripture together, to wrestle, to learn, and to try to see more deeply what God wants to do with our lives. Uh through the stories of those who went before us. Mm. As Jan said, we are picking up with Paul again today. And just as a quick refresher reminder course, a few weeks ago, we studied about Paul's conversion story, which was quite spectacular. Mm -hmm. He was blinded Mm -hmm. on the road to Damascus, left in the dark and totally dependent. And he, he changed from one thing, a persecutor of Christians, into the leader of the early church. So a dramatic conversion story. And then as Jan reminded us last week, he was sent home, and he was sent home for nine years to learn maybe a bit of patience and humility, a lesson for all of us. We are picking up with Paul today in Acts 16 as he is on his second missionary journey. His first was quite successful, and he is now planning a reprise, a second greatest hits (laughs) of Paul as he sets out on this journey. So it is... um, wonderful for Paul to have in mind exactly what this journey is going to be. But as we read through Acts 16, we're going to, in, we're going to come across some examples of some open doors, mm-hmm. some closed doors, some redirection, some risk, and some big surprises. Mm-hmm. So Paul, as we encounter him here, is on a literal journey, uh-huh. a physical missionary journey, as well as a spiritual journey. So sticking with the physical journey for just a minute, I'm interested in you, Lynn and Jan, on the places you would like to journey right now. Where you, where would you like to go? One and two. Where would you really not like to go? I'm always afraid of saying not because you know if you want God to laugh, tell Him your plans. All right, Lynn, I'm let you go first. (laughs) (laughs) So, I love to travel, um, and there are more places that I can list of where I would love to go. One of my things, and this sort of goes to the where I don't want to travel, is I think the world is such a big and beautiful place. I really am not interested in going anyplace I've already been, Mm -hmm. right? So I've been to Egypt. I've seen the pyramids. I've ridden the camel. I've seen the Sphinx. I've done all that. So I don't really care to go back there, even though I'm sure I could learn a lot if I did. I would love to see the Great Wall of China. I don't know why. It's just something that's very appealing to me. Mm. What a miraculous place to visit. Yes. Is there any place you would definitely not? So, it, so the whole world that you've seen before, is there a, there a place that you have not been before, uh-huh. but you really? Oh, I, that I wouldn't want to go? That you would not want to go? I would say go. I probably don't really have any desire to go to like the Antarctic. 
I don't like to be cold. I, that doesn't. That just seems like misery to me. I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful and spectacular, but no, I would not put that anywhere on my list right now. You you can watch that on the National Geographic That's right. specials. That's right. And the photography is amazing. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Well, it's interesting that question, Laura, because I think COVID has cured me of my wanderlust. Mm. Um, but I was sitting there thinking, it's like I have been more places in the world than I ever thought I would ever go. Would would I go back to any of them? Yes, I would, because it was so fabulous. But basically, my two go places are mountains and greenery and water. Anything mm. that has that, I don't, I, I would love to go there. Like the Pacific Northwest to me is just the Garden Beautiful. of Eden. Yeah. And obviously, if that's the case, the place I don't want to go is the desert. <laughs> so any yeah. place that's hot and dry and where everything has a thorn on it and it's trying mm. to either bite you or stick you. I wouldn't be excited about that. A little symbolism there, yeah. right? That, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I am so easy to please when it comes to travel <laughs> because there is something to like almost everywhere you go. So true. And I can find sight, sounds, food, relaxation, um, very easy to please. But the one place I would definitely not wish to visit is Las Vegas. Oh. People love Las Vegas. I would find any excuse not to. That is just so far away from um, my comfort zone, my mm-hmm. desire for where I would like mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. So not to offend anyone who loves Las Vegas, not a value judgment, <laughs> not the place I would want to go. Yeah. And that is for my own comfort to suit my own desires. Sure. And, you know, when we pick up Paul in this missionary journey here, he is planning to go through Asia Minor, mostly Turkey. Mm-hmm. Again, he had great success the first time. He's going to go back and visit the churches that he started and create new churches. And he's got a great group of traveling companions that he's going with. Silas, who has been his companion for a long time. Timothy, who he picks up along the way, the young man Mm -hmm. who has the Jewish mother and the Roman father. Mm -hmm. So he brings um, a kind of a mixed appeal to Mm -hmm. to the group. And Luke. And we see Luke come in and out of this story. It's so interesting. I'm a writer and editor by profession. And so Luke reveals himself in this text when all of a sudden he says us, and you were, you're caught unawares. Where, who is us? <laughs> he changed the pronoun. <laughs> he does change the pronoun, and us is Luke. So sometimes Luke is talking about what happens to other people, and sometimes he's talking about what happens to all of them. But primarily, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke are the, the traveling group that are on the second missionary journey. What a team. Wouldn't what a team. It, that would not be a bad no. <laughs> group to travel with, would yes. it? I know, kind of intimidating, but anyway. Yes. But I would, hesit- I, would, I would quickly note that this lesson is not called Paul in Asia Minor mm. or Paul retraces his steps. It's yeah. called Paul in Macedonia. And what that means is Paul is pulled into Europe. And that is the place Paul does not want to go. Because Macedonia is basically Greece, mm-hmm. which is Europe, which is getting closer to the heart of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is not what Paul has in mind when he sets out on this journey. It wasn't on the original itinerary. It was not on the original itinerary and even plan B or plan C. But you know, Paul goes willingly because some doors get closed in a way mm. that he recognizes. Oh. And the scripture tells us that the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go to and preach in the cities that they had in mind. Mm. So instead, Paul, who lays down to sleep one night and has a dream 
where he sees a man from Macedonia appear, begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. That's Paul's dream. And he recognizes this as being a sign from the Holy Spirit. So he accepts those closed doors. He walks through the open door. And in just a few sentences, his plans are totally redirected. Mm -hmm. Now, probably we have all experienced some moments when our plans got redirected from the wonderful things that we thought we would do, that we (laughs) hoped we would do, that we imagined were about to happen to us. And then we find that that is not at all what our next steps will be. Mm -hmm. Um, Does anybody, do you have any thoughts about rolling with the Holy Spirit when you knew that the Holy Spirit was pointing you in a different direction? Well, I have one. It's not sort of global. I had planned to do this, and then I was doing this. But um, Harold got cancer many years ago. He's doing fine. But in the process of trying to discover what treatment was the best for him, um, we had a series of closed doors. And it was enormously frustrating to me. I remember at one point praying, he says, Lord, if you would just come and handwrite on the wall— or send me a text. Would you just let me? Because it was clear the Spirit said, you can't go there, you can't go there, you can't go there, you can't go there. And we had to persist in moving on our journey, much like Paul did, until we got to the door that the Holy Spirit finally opened. And it it was very clear because at that point I had peace. And that's how I knew it was from the Spirit. So, yeah, he he leads in the practical Uh, steps in daily life as well as in the big ones. I guess that would be my point. The word that stands out to me, Laura, is recognize. Because I I think that this is something that happens all the time Mm -hmm. to us, and we don't recognize it. It, It's the thing that we say, oh, what a great coincidence, or that was just bad luck or bad timing, you know, that that didn't happen. Well, I don't think that that's the case. I think maybe (laughs) that bad timing was a closed door you know, or that coincidence was an open door. Um, So it it takes being in communication with the Holy Spirit to recognize that. I've got something that happened to me just this morning that's not not as dramatic as your story, Mm -hmm. Jan, but I know it was was an open door from the Holy Spirit. I had been praying about um, if I needed to have a conversation with someone, and it was not someone that I ever have a regular... um, conversation with, not someone that I speak to on the phone regularly. And I'd been praying this for several days and my phone rang this morning and it was that person. Now, (laughs) how is that for an open door? You know, I had no plan to call that person. That person called me. Yeah. Yeah. That's an open door. You have to go through it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, and such a reminder that the Holy Spirit is working everywhere. Yeah. All the time. All the time, everywhere. I can really put my finger on one experience that I want to share very quickly about a Holy Spirit moment, which is I spent the majority of my adult life doing freelance work as a writer and editor and really had no desire to go back to work full time. But I have now been working full time for 10 years at a job that came to me strictly through, I believe, the the act of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It was, I was pointed to this opportunity by a very dear friend who is also a, a member of, at the time was a, a member of Lamplighters, but we've been friends for many years before that. And she made that connection for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not really very interested, but I said, I'll take one step. I took that one step. 
I met a person who later on became very important spiritually as well. And we both saw in each other something that we knew that God had put us together in that Mm -hmm. place for a reason. So, Jan, you mentioned there was that peace. I knew immediately that that was a step to take. Now, it disrupted a lot of things. It made a lot of changes in our family life. Mm -hmm. It was not an easy, perfect of, you know, rainbows and unicorns. So that it was not that kind of, of a Holy Spirit moment where everything worked out without any, any other difficulties. But I have never yet doubted that it was a moment that was meant to be, and it was really pointing what this next phase of life was supposed to be. So I feel at peace, and like that is exactly where I'm supposed to be planted. Mm-hmm. And isn't that a gift? That Because then you never have to doubt that even if difficult things happen or disruption happens, you still know in your heart of hearts, wait a minute, I'm doing what God wanted me to do. Absolutely. The the open doors do not guarantee you a, a path of ease. <laughs> no, witness which, Paul. <laughs> which, which, yes, which, at which we're about to witness Paul. But I do think that we do sometimes think that open door is a, a sign that everything's going to be easy on the other side of mm-hmm. that. And um, Paul finds out that's not so much true. Um. One thing I think that really Paul had going in his favor is something Jan touched on a minute ago, and that is he did have experience. Mm -hmm. He had had this conversion story that was pretty dramatic. He had seen the Holy Spirit moving in his life. He had had this, this time of reflection and honing when he was back home in Tarsus. And then he had had a missionary journey that was successful. So he is disciplined. He is attuned to the Holy Spirit. So he's willing to go forward, even knowing that there is going to be some risk. Mm. And the more discipline we have, the more practice that we have, the more we can discern and I think feel confident in the outcome, even if it's not very comfortable for us. Mm. So there are two women I'd really like to hone in on here. And I bet everybody who read the scripture noticed right away that women take center stage Unusual. Unusual and very meaningful. So the first woman is Lydia, a very well-known name from the Bible. We meet her as the seller of purple cloth. That's her designation. And what that tells us is that she is a woman of independent means. She has her own income. She's a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. She may be a widow. She may be not married. But normally we see women as part of a family unit, and that's not how we meet Lydia. We meet her as an independent woman of means. It's significant where we meet her. Paul meets her at the river outside of Philippi. Now, normally, Paul and the others would go to the synagogue in town, and that's where they would preach. It required 10 married Jewish men in order to form a synagogue. There apparently was not a synagogue in Philippi, which probably means there were not 10 married Jewish men who would qualify to have one. So the next logical thing that would normally happen if Jews did not have a synagogue, they would meet in a convenient location, usually around water, because they too, Jan, would like to be where the water was, (laughs) for a time of prayer. So Paul and his group go to the river, thinking that they will see some men who they can preach to, during their prayer time, but they don't see men praying. What they see is women at the river, probably doing their normal daily activities, probably gathering water, washing clothes, Mm -hmm. doing the things that women would do there. And 
at that point, they have the option of simply going, well, it didn't work out today. Let's go look for men elsewhere. But that's not what Paul does. Instead, he begins to preach good news to the women who are there, including Lydia. So she's a, a really interesting feature who, a figure in the Bible who continues to have a big presence in many churches. There's St. Lydia. There are a lot of people who you view her as being one of the mothers of the early church. Mm. And if you notice in the scripture, she has to persuade Paul and his group to come to her house. <laughs> so it's, it's really an unexpected thing that in the city of Philippi, because there's no synagogue, Paul goes out to the river. Lydia is do, going about her daily business. She's not the object yeah. of the missionary journey, but she's one of the people who that open door leads him to. Mm-hmm. And she becomes a very significant figure for, for all of us. The first recorded Christian convert in Europe. Oh, Lydia. Lydia. Yeah, I did not know that. And you know, Paul gets such a bad rap about his attitudes toward women. But in actual fact, that was a pretty radical thing for him to have done, to preach to to these women and then to accept the invitation to come to her home. You know, even though the homes of women in Jerusalem had been open to the church, this is probably a new step for him. It is a new step, and I think it's a step with some risk. Yeah. Hmm. Personal and professional risk, which really comes to the fore in the next little vignette that we see, the the case of the slave girl. Did Mm. anyone find this a a bit of a strange and puzzling story? (laughs) Yes. Me too. Open our eyes, Laura. (laughs) Me me too. This is a, you know, the Bible occasionally serves up such bizarre moments that you know something really important is being communicated, and sometimes you just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And this is one that gave me that feeling, like, I do not get what this story is telling us. So I I dived a little bit deeper to try to understand. So to to set the scene just a little bit, there is a slave girl who who is possessed by an evil spirit. She has the, the gift of fortune-telling, if you can call it a gift. She has the ability to tell the fortune because of this evil spirit that possesses her. Um, and she is a slave to people who have um, exploited her to make money. She is possessed internally by, by the darkness of this evil spirit and, by, and externally by the owners who use and exploit her. Mm-hmm. I see in her some parallels of young women who are trafficked in our oh, day and time yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, around the world, and sadly, right here in our own neighborhoods. It's not a foreign um, problem. It's a local problem as well. It's shocking but very true that more people are enslaved today than have ever been at any point in human history. So slavery and Possession, if we want to use that in a, a broad term, is not a problem of the past. It's a problem that exists in our world today. Mm-hmm. And just as in this vignette, slave owners, the people who will use and exploit people for their own benefit and gain, represent very powerful interests. Mm-hmm. So in the case of the slave girl, she follows Paul around for, for days 
shouting, um, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So it kind of sounds like she's providing a commercial Uh (laughs) and encouraging people to believe what Paul is saying. But I think that's probably not true. I think probably she was well known in this area as being the fortune teller. So that probably is not the person you want endorsing the good news of, of Christ. That's not um, having the evil spirit recognize you. And we see throughout right. the Bible, mm-hmm. demons recognize not the Jesus. person you want. No. Not, not working <laughs> in your favor there. Um, and, you know, secondly, you can just imagine that the mocking tone that would be used here. When we, read, when we read the Bible, or when I read the Bible, I don't usually read those words with a mocking tone. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I can listen to it with a mocking tone where she's speaking those words mm-hmm. in a way that would make it clear. It she, changes everything, right? Yeah. It changes yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, one thing that's, I think, important for us to, to just remember, maybe touch on briefly, is that spirits always recognize who Jesus is. We yeah. see it over yeah. and over again. But recognizing him and knowing his power does not lead to them believing or repenting. Mm-hmm. So recognizing Jesus and believing in him are not the same thing. And this spirit is not coming around. Mm-hmm. This spirit is trying to undermine. And, and disrupt to, what's going on. And disrupt and protect the interests of the slave owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this girl is really um, a, a very sad figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is a person whose life is not her own in any way. So it says that Paul, after some days of this, gets annoyed. How often do you see the word annoyed in the Bible? Did that jump out at you? Yes. Yes. I can just imagine Paul. It's like, all right, I've had enough of this, you know. And I think that's exactly right. You don't get annoyed the first time something happens. You might get angry, but you don't get annoyed. But annoyed is a word that, that tells us you just bit by bit by bit, you fall down that slope of irritation and frustration, and finally you've had enough. Sort of being worn down. Worn down. Yeah. Or the feather that breaks the camel's back. Yes. So she finally did something, and he just said, I'm done. And finally, he can't take it anymore. And in this, I saw a bit of an echo of Jesus becoming angry at the temple because people were being taken advantage of, Mm -hmm. because this is a girl who is being taken advantage of. And as a result, all of the people in the surrounding area are also falling prey to that same misinformation. Um, So I, I framed this a little bit differently as I read this story, trying to look at it through a different lens. So what if Paul became annoyed by the injustice of this situation, Mm. annoyed by the enslavement of this girl, by an evil spirit, and by her human owners, by her masters, people Mm. who take advantage of her? What if he was annoyed by the exploitation that sacrificed her life and her well-being for profit? He surely recognized that there was risk with alienating her owners, Mm -hmm. but he was willing to take that risk for the sake of justice, that cast the story in a different light. So the stories of Lydia and the slave girl give us a lot of food for thought about how following the Holy Spirit, how those closed doors and open doors can lead us into unexpected places and situations. I'm curious how these stories of Lydia and the slave girl appeared to you. If there were lessons that 
that came to your mind as you read these things? Well, the first thing that stands out to me um, since we're doing these two women together is the difference between these two women, right? We've got the slave girl who doesn't even have a name. And then we have Lydia, who is a woman of clearly some power and wealth and independence. And that just highlights to me that the gospel's for everybody. You know, there's no, there's no, um, well, you're not good enough for this, or you're too good for this, you know, on either side of it. It's, it's absolutely for everybody. Um, there are no social distinctions when it comes to the gospel. Neither Jew nor Gentile. No, exactly. Exactly. There's not a one size fits all. Um, you know, everyone is in a different place, but the gospel applies to everyone in whatever place they are in. And I think that's um I think that's an important lesson to remember. The other thing that sticks out to me is when you said, um, what if Paul saw it this way? Isn't that looking at things through the, like a different lens, like through the lens of the Holy Spirit to see her as, you know, she needs help because she's enslaved rather than she's so irritating. I wish she would just get out of here. And, and that is a, a lesson to all of us to um, think about what lens you're looking at different situations through. Is it the lens of the Holy Spirit or is it your own selfish lens? And we have plenty of opportunities for that Yeah, in yeah. the current moment. Yeah. No kidding, always. At least I have plenty of opportunities yes. for that in the current moment. The lens is very important. Um, well, stru- what struck me about these two women, besides the contrast of uh-huh. the, you know, purple dye person who had a lot of power and this slave girl who had none, is the contrast between light and dark. And both of in both of those situations, Paul had to trust the discernment of the Holy Spirit for the step forward that he took. So he he took the risk of contacting Lydia mm-hmm. and her friends at the river, and then he took the risk of freeing this slave girl. And that is exactly what Jesus came to do. I mean, that's part of the good news. It's like back in Isaiah where it says he sets the captives free. That is Jesus's job. That's what Paul has picked up. And the the power of the Holy Spirit enabled him to discern the work of the splitter in this. She was trying to split him from the good news. And he, Paul said, I'm not going to do that. This The good news is for everybody. It's for you, too. He did set her free at great personal risk to himself mm-hmm. because, in fact, we do see that her owners were— were a little annoyed themselves by what had happened and had Paul and Silas arrested and thrown in prison. So just like last week, we encounter Peter in in prison. We encounter Paul in prison this week. Not Luke, apparently, because he's not one of the us in prison. He does, (laughs) um, he, he avoids prison to write about this. But again, we see God be faithful to the risk that Paul took, and he does free Paul from prison in a different way, but Mm -hmm. still, Paul frees the slave, is imprisoned in a human prison, and then is freed in a way that is, again, miraculous. God's Mm -hmm. graciousness and faithfulness are the the end of the story, the end of this story of the second uh, missionary journeys. Mm -hmm. As I looked at this, it seemed to me that this that Acts 16 really is a reminder of the significance of the 23rd Psalm because Mm -hmm. we see Paul being led through 
a number of different situations, some as he expected, many as he didn't, but always being faithful in, in the next step that he takes and reaping God's faithfulness and graciousness. So I want to close my remarks simply by reciting the 23rd Psalm. And I would invite those who are listening to close your eyes and listen or to recite along because these are such good words for us to remember. Mm. So the, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with, my, with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We, we receive this message in so many different ways through the Bible, through um, poetry, as in Psalm, and through history, as in the second missionary journey. But the message is consistent. Mm-hmm. So I do have a question for reflection. Okay, that's always good to leave our friends with. Yes. And it is, what would you risk to follow the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes I think if we focus on the risk instead of on God's graciousness, we may hesitate. And then Paul didn't do this alone. Mm-hmm. He had traveling companions who I didn't really spend a lot of time talking about, but who were essential to this trip. So who are the companions you can turn to? Would you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? Those are good questions, Laura, um, because we are all part of a community and we need that community is we're not Lone Ranger. We we cannot be. That that is a good reminder. So. Well, thank you so much, Laura. mm -hmm. Lots to think about. Absolutely. Until next time.